live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Two on one, shorthanded. Watt with Stevenson. Watt closing. Finds Stevenson. He cuts. He scores. Stevenson puts it home on the backhand. From center, Watt banks it in toward Colasar. It's a giveaway. Carrier towards the net. He scores. Chips it home on the backhand. Vegas leads 5-1 with 9.46 to go in the second period. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Partying, partying. Yeah! All right, here we go. Friday, 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 Friday. Ari back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Willie is camped out at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Cofield on the road covering UNLV football. I speak in third person all the time. In the San Diego area, we'll talk about the digs down here as UNLV is getting ready to play San Diego State football. Try to get back to winning ways, Willie, with a 4 o'clock kickoff tomorrow. So it should be interesting. We'll get into some college football in about 10 minutes with Michael Felder, UNLV in the middle of the show. What's up, Willie? What's happening? Big day for you. I figured you'd be excited. You've been waiting for this day. There's, there's some, something special happened today. What happened today? I, I'm I thrown for a loop. I'm trying to figure it out. I reactivated my Twitter. Oh, you know what's funny? <laughs> you, uh, you read my mind. What time did you do it? Mm, it was right after my story moved on Alec Martinez for AP. So, I don't know, late morning. Okay. Because I was... Sending out a tweet, and I was looking to tag you, and I'm like, SOB is still not back on Twitter. Come on, man. <laughs> the self-imposed hiatus ended. So you finally ended it. You feel the cleanse, good? The cleanse. Got it, you know. The cleanse. cleanse. The cleanse. The cleanse has been good. Uh, back on Twitter. You know, I mean, and, and I, I run the Professional Hockey Writers Association Twitter account, and, uh, and then, you know, for Saturday morning show, I'll, I load up that on, on, on the ESPN Las Vegas Twitter. But for the most part, just having only Instagram to promote some stuff and then, you know, the gym and then some other stuff that we're sponsored by, it, it was a nice little getaway. It wasn't too bad. It was a nice mental cleanse, and it allowed me to get some other things accomplished, not to mention get you topics on time in the morning and, you know, be, pre- be prepared. This sounds absurd, doesn't it, to the audience? Or like, what do you mean you need a cleanse from Twitter? But for Try a lot it. of people, Twitter yeah. is like their freaking life. You're on it all the time. And when I say a lot of people and their life, I mean it's my life. So uh, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. So interesting. A little cleanse. So, a little social cleanse. social media cleanse is never a bad thing. Try it. I pretty much cleanse myself from Facebook. Um, I still use it here and there. But, uh, but now yeah. here's the problem is that, you know, you push Facebook off to the side and you're like, okay, what do I do with TikTok? So there always seems to be something new in terms of promoting and, you know, like you said, all of our clients, all of our clients are up there, like the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, so we want to give them love as well. All right, let's get into it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. Lots of Raider stuff coming up, lots of VGK. Darren Millard's going to join us towards the end of this hour. Michael Felder, college football expert, in about 10 minutes here on a Friday edition of Cofield and company, but uh, Willie loves to send over in the stylings of uh, Ari because Ari liked to do this as well. 
uh, national days, mostly national food days. Yeah. I have no idea what this day is. I mean, it's you know pretty self-explanatory when you tell everyone, but I did not do, uh, know that this day existed. It is National Jersey Day. Okay. And it, and it is not... New Jersey. So, where I was going to say, which part, of, which, which part of Jersey? The yeah, shore? No, it's not, north, south, central? Which part? No, not Trenton. No. Look at you flashing your Jersey knowledge. Nice job. Not Piscataway. Oh, wow. Hardcore. Not, uh, I can't remember now. I was going to do, I was going to say, tell you where, I was going to say the city where, where my mom lived. I think I've told you before, you said that's like the upper crust. There's an upper crust neighborhood or, or suburb or city, and I can't remember. It's all, upper, like, it's all upper crust. It's a beautiful state. It's all upper crust. Oh, yeah, sure it is. Except, except the mean streets where I came from. Right, right. Well, instead, this is National Jersey Friday, a day when sports fans wear their favorite jerseys, and it okay. was started by the NFLPA. To bring fans oh, together okay. and build a sense okay. of community, it is. I thought it was, I thought it was started by the NFL as a, a prof, as a as a profit move, but keep going. NFLPA put it together. NFLPA put it together. Um, just when football season's heating up for professional college and youth leagues, you celebrate the day by wearing a jersey of your favorite sports player. Wear it to work or school. Wear sure. it when you go out. Of course, different places that you and I go, or we frequent, or where we have the show and. Everybody, you know, they have their own little Jersey days, you know, especially on Monday nights, you know, depending on who's playing, especially the Raiders. I mean, you have these different bars around town. But today is National Jersey Friday. Are you a Jersey guy? Uh, not really. I have we're, jerseys. We're getting, a, we're, we're getting a little old for, for jerseys. Yeah, for yeah, we are. Sports I, jerseys. I, I will tell you that I wore one time, I wore a jersey to our Saturday morning throw the flag day, and it threw Gooch for a loop because it was the Las Vegas Gladiators. Remember the Arena Football League? Sure, of course. Wow. I, I, had, a, goodie. I had a custom one made for me and uh, my son because we had season tickets. And uh, have my favorite number of all time, 99. So, and on the back says WG. I wore that one day. And I have other jerseys that people have given me for Christmas or, you know, in general. But I don't, I've worn them, but I'm not a big jersey guy. Now, considering today it, you're supposed to wear your favorite player, um, you might not get this considering, because you're like, you're going to think my favorite team. You know who my favorite team is. But. There probably is only one player that I'm going to wear a jersey with his name on the back. Like, I think if I was a jersey guy, I'd want – like, I don't know if I'm going to wear another guy's jersey name on my back. Like, I'd want maybe my number or, you know, that team with my name on it. I hate that. Or I would put I – hate, I, hate, I hate personalized jerseys. I think they're <laughs> – it's, it's so dumb. So you're the opposite. Yes. Uh, no, I, I have no I'm, – uh, I'm very comfortable with my masculinity. I don't mind wearing another – Man on my back. No, I have, it's, not, it's not that. I just not. I don't know. I just would rather promote. Or you know what I would do these days? I would get the word perfect, P-E-R-F-I-C-T, on the back of the jersey. Like a Cowboys jersey that says perfect. Perfect, yes, yes, okay. yes. Could be but like the only, double entendre. It works. So, so here's, the, here's the only. So who, 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 my favorite player of all time. Have I, have I ever told you who that is? I don't know. Sweet. I don't know. Oh, Sweet. really? Walter Payton. Walter Payton. All-time favorite football player. Nice. All right, we'll carry this throughout the show. I think there's some uh, interesting jersey choices. What current day athlete, if uh, you wanted to buy the jersey, you could get it. In my case, get it for free or very much on a discount rack. What current day athlete should us uh, 50-plus-year-old males 
be honoring with a jersey. On the way back, Michael Felder is going to check in at In the Bleachers up on Twitter. He's part of the Learfield podcast family, also on the uh, video uh, series called uh, Field of 12. And he'll break down all the big college football stories, including a massive game this weekend, Tennessee and Georgia. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. College football preview time. Michael Felder is in from at in the bleachers. First of all, you got to tell people in Vegas about uh, your relatively new gig. I see you all the time now on the videos with Field of Twelve. Oh, dude, I love I love doing it. It's it's a really if you like football, and I'm not I'm not just talking gambling. I mean, if you like football, the football part of football, it's a great it's a great thing to, to tune into. I've really enjoyed working with everybody, everyone from you know Bryce Petty to uh, Christian Hackenberg. Uh, Coach Sumlin has been really just kind of really revealing about like what it's like behind the scenes and how things work out. So that's been a really fun experience for me. And uh, we, we get to talk football. I mean, I talked to Trevor Knight. I get to talk to George Whitfield, two guys that know a lot about quarterbacking. So it's, it's, it's very, very fun to get into that with all these guys and kind of, you know, it's, it, you're, 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 I'm punching up with these guys who've done a little bit more from on the football field than I have. Michael Felder's with us at in the bleachers. Yeah. Check it out on Twitter. Uh, great show. And, it's on multiple times a week, field of 12. So on our show, on Cofield and Company, we repeatedly swear off talking about the college football playoff rankings because we're like, we're not playing this game. It's a reality TV show. We're not doing yes. it. And then guess what happens? We, we start to do it. So <laughs> I'm sure you guys had some reaction to the initial rankings. Was there anything that seemed way out of line for you? I think LSU at 10 was interesting um, in terms of where, where teams fall. I think that was the most interesting one. I think UNC at 17 is also going to be uh, – we'll see how that shakes out over the course of the season. But the reality of it is, and you mentioned, it's a reality TV show, right? So what did they do? They made Tennessee feel really good about themselves because Tennessee's at number one. They made Ohio State feel pretty good about themselves because they're at number two. They made Georgia fans upset, so they're going to have to tune back in because they're at three and they think they should be at one. Clemson fans feel pretty good about themselves because they're at four. In theory, that means they're in the playoff. Michigan fans are upset because now they're not in the playoff, and they think they should be above Clemson. Then we got Alabama fans saying we're the best one-loss team. Which, yeah, you're the best one-loss team, but now you've got to earn your hay to make there. And then TCU, Oregon, USC, those three schools are like, we're, we're within striking distance. And striking distance is good enough right now. we got a lot of football left to play. I tweeted this on, on, on Tuesday, and, and I will continue to say this. Just win your football games. Win your games. Don't worry about the TV show. Worry about winning football games. I think Michigan's better than Ohio State. Am I crazy? Yeah. Yeah. I think you are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I'm going comparative, and I'm going the Penn State game. And Michigan really gassed them out and blew them out towards the end. Ohio State really had a struggle with them. So what do you see in Ohio State, Penn State, that might have you a little bit worried about Ohio State or also, you know, maybe alleviate – my concerns about Ohio State, no big deal. It was a close game against Penn State. So there's a couple things. So there's a concern that I have, and it's with C.J. Stroud, and the way that he gives ground, the way that he takes sacks, and the way that he uh, runs. When he essentially runs backward or when he tries to hang in the pocket, we've seen him fumble in consecutive games. The Iowa fumble that led to a scoop and score, the fumble against in Penn State that ultimately gave them a short porch. So that's something that I am calls for concern. Ball security and giving ground. But the rest of it, 
they were trying to work on running the football. When Mayan Williams goes down, it's a little bit harder for them to run the football, but they they solved it over the course of the year. I think this is a team that came into this game wanting to prove that they're tough, tough as Penn State, tough as Michigan. I don't know if they are as tough, but I also don't think they have to be as tough because at the end of the day, and what we saw on the, what, the last six minutes of the game, what if we just threw it? What if we just decided, let's throw the football around? Oh, wow, you can't cover any of our guys. Great, fantastic. So what if we just did that the whole time? They would If they just did what they did in the last six minutes, if they just did that the whole game, we're looking at a completely different score, a different, completely different point differential. So for me, I think with Ohio State, we're looking at a team that is trying to continue to prove or that wants to establish the run. And they use critical moments. It reminds me a little bit of um, like uh, like LeBron James or Michael Jordan, right? Where there are some games where they just decide, I'm going to play defense. This is what I'm doing this game. I'm going to pass and I'm going to play defense. And then once they just once they realize, oh, we might lose, they're like, oh, let me take it to the cup. And I think we're looking at the same thing here. Like it's the same as like with LeBron where he's like, you know what? I'm going to spend some time working on shooting three-pointers. And you're like, you're this isn't the thing you're the best at. And for Ohio State, Running the football isn't the thing that they're the best at, but they're really good at passing. So once they decide, Ohio State, once they decide to take it to the cup, I don't know that there's anybody that's going to be able to stop them. Ohio State's better defensively. They're more stout. Will they play cover they zero are. against Michigan? Yeah, absolutely. Why really? would you not? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you play cover? Michigan's the perfect team to play cover zero against, with the exception of what? Army, Navy, like Air, like with the exception of like one of these service academies that never throws. Michigan's the perfect team to play cover zero against. Because you don't have to worry about them throwing the ball down the field. You don't have to worry about them pushing over the top. So what you do when you play that zero is you can get everybody within seven, eight yards of the line of scrimmage. And then Blake Corum, now he's going to have to deal with if you if you, if you you do two dummy routes from your wide receivers, right? You do two dummy routes, those two guys are gone. But then you got to deal with nine guys at the line of scrimmage ready to make a tackle, and that's nine on eight football unless they run J.J. McCarthy to get you to nine-on-nine football. And that can be the big key when we get it to the end of November. The big key is going to be how much do they want to and how much will they run J.J. McCarthy. Because if you're playing nine-on-eight football, Ohio State's going to suck you up every time. Michigan at Ohio State, a little over 20 days away. So let's talk about what's going on this weekend. Tennessee and Georgia, like you mentioned, Tennessee number one in the CFP, which is funny, Georgia at three. Georgia is an eight, eight eight-and-a-half point favorite. I don't think these teams are separated by that much. I know you're a big fan of the speed and space with Tennessee. How much can Tennessee really challenge this Georgia defense? I think they can challenge them a lot. I mean, we saw Mizzou and we saw Kent State do that as well. I think the key, and we also saw Tennessee's defense really step up, right? Six points to Kentucky, and really they use speed and space in another way where they they bring pressure from all over the place, and they, they're disruptive to the quarterback. They, they, they create a confusing picture pre-snap. And then post-snap, after the ball's snapped, they bring pressure and they get in your face and make you make a decision, force you to make a decision. And I, I really like that for them. Uh, that's how they are able to generate some turnovers. And they're also able to get, again, that pressure, forcing completions. Incompletions are huge because they get you off schedule. So I think the big thing for me, I like Tennessee in this football game. I think that forcing Georgia to declare defensively is going to be huge for them. And then working tempo is going to create confusion that I think is going to set Georgia back just a bit. And that's going to be the part that where I think Tennessee can capitalize. And again, I think there are two types of teams in college football. Three, three, there's three. 
There's teams that want to score 24. There's teams that can't score 40 but want to score 24. And there's teams that want to score 40 and can't score 50. And Tennessee is a team that can't that, that wants to score 40 but can't score 50. We saw that in the Alabama game. Georgia is a team that wants to score 24 but can score 40. So we'll see what that want looks like that or what that can looks like for Georgia because they're going to have to this game's going to have to play into the 30s at least and it might take them to get to 42 or 45 to win this ball game because I don't think they're just going to flat out stop Tennessee. He's part of the Learfield Podcast family, hand in the dirt, college sports. Now, Michael Felder's up on Cofield and Company. You mentioned the teams, unbeaten, one-loss teams, but especially unbeaten, outside of that top four, I think it's like there's such pressure on those teams, yeah. especially like a TCU. They've been jobbed by this whole thing in the past. Yep. Um, the rep just doesn't have the power that some of the other schools do. Down the stretch here to stay unbeaten, finish unbeaten, Texas Tech, Texas, Baylor, Iowa State, is there trouble looming this week as a near 10-point favorite against Texas Tech? I think Texas Tech can be dangerous. Like, we saw them beat Texas, obviously. They're a team that if they put their their head to, their head to it, they can get the job done. Um, but, no, I don't think this is the week. I think the Baylor game is going to be the most intriguing game for TCU because Baylor seems like they've kind of gotten their they've, – they've gotten out of their heads and solved some of their problems, and they seem to be on the right path now. Took them a little while to find pieces that they needed and, and for that defense to step up, but – Certainly going to be interesting. The, the TCU-Baylor game is the one that I've got circled this week. I think TCU takes care of business. Field of 12, which could be coming in a couple of years or three years, yeah. TCU's in. You know, if they, if they run the table or they have one loss, they're probably in, depending on what happens in the Big 12 title game. So that's a good thing. After that, I don't know how many people have noticed it. I think a lot of, it caught a lot of attention yesterday. Group of five, check that. Yeah, group of five will be the yeah. sick auto bid, the highest-ranked group of five team now, right now, this has been a weird year for Group of Five. A lot of the traditional powers haven't had great starts or aren't yeah. having great years. Tulane would be the team after that. Central Florida, Liberty, Cincy, Coastal Carolina, Troy, Boise, UTSA all have top 25 votes. Uh, the The Group of Five thing is a good thing, right? I, like You're not going to listen to arguments about that six conference getting an auto bid. No, I don't. it doesn't bother me. It's it, if if that's the way that it's going, that's the way it's going. And yes, they belong in there. I think Tulane, by the way, if you haven't watched them play, that defense is incredibly aggressive. They remind me a little bit of UAB a couple of years ago when UAB had such a really tremendous defense. So they they get it done defensively. I'm still upset about the ECU game because ECU should have beat them. If ECU makes the field goal going into halftime, they're down by two. Now it's a different football game coming out. So it's just it's don't I, uh, but. I, Tulane being there is great. I love that. I love that people are paying attention to Tulane. And then obviously uh, UCF with a huge win this past weekend to kind of push themselves back into the conversation. But no, we're not seeing the same, whether it's Boise State or it's even like Cincinnati. We're not seeing the same push from those schools. Coastal, even here, a App State. App State's a team that, what do they, they go out and they beat Texas A&M. They lose in a couple of overtimes to UNC, they're so close to being where they should be, and then they blow this lead to JMU. So this is an interesting one, and I'm very curious to see what JMU looks like going forward too because they're a team that, even though they're not eligible for – they can't – JMU can't play in the conference championship game. They can't go to the, the playoff. Like, they can't do any of those things, but watching JMU play has been fun too because they're a team that we're starting to see them put it together. So I think Liberty is going to be an interesting one as a team that – is what independent, I guess, that is still trying to find their way uh, out of the woods. Uh, but UCF and Tulane right now are going to be teams that I guess we expect to, 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 to make, 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 try to make waves in the postseason. My favorite name in that group is Liberty. 
Yeah. Michael Felder, if you haven't watched it yet, you got to watch the documentary, God forbid. It is amazing. You know, until stuff gets docked, I feel like people miss the news. Jerry Falwell and Liberty is a hilarious story, but it's also a really scary story for the college football overlords because I will draw the parallels to, say, a Gonzaga, right? Yep. Uh, Gonzaga has purchased its way to the table in college basketball. I don't have a problem with that. You got to play the way everyone else plays. Liberty just gave Freeze $5 million a year for the next eight years. Is Liberty going to be a thorn in the side? Can can they complete the purchase you know, to the highest level and be in this field of 12 in a couple of years? I... It's a, you still got to get, I think it's, you got to get players and it's hard to get people there. Um, obviously Malik Willis was, and it was an interesting piece, but it's, it's hard to get people there. And but then if, they, but if, you're fl- if you're flush with parishioner money, yeah, aren't the, there are no limits. Yes, but I, I well, I think there are still limits. I think okay. that, I mean, Liberty's still a school that there's a lot of folks that don't want to go there. There's a lot of, and then the other, here's the other part. And this is the part I was getting to, because I'm not just talking about players that you got to get there. Yeah. You got to get other teams to play you there. You got to get other teams to play you in general. And I think that's going to be, if they do start to bubble up to the surface and they flirt with getting into that 12, then you're going to start to see teams do what we saw happen with Boise State. We saw it happen with TCU. We've seen it happen with Cincinnati. You're going to start to see teams back away from the table and decide, no, no, no. We don't have to do this. And especially, we're not going to pay you to come here and beat us. And that's going to be the part that's going to be interesting for them. Can Notre Dame, you know, speaking of the parochials, uh, different sort of parochial, but you know, people <laughs> have strong feelings about Notre Dame as well. Uh, can Notre Dame play bully ball and actually knock off Clemson? I just don't know how they score. And they did a good job against Syracuse. But I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be able to score against Clemson. Clemson's defense is good. And I just don't know if they're going to be able to score against Clemson. And I think Clemson is – Syracuse's defense is good. Clemson's defense is better. Clemson's defense is a little more disciplined. They're a little more seasoned. And they're getting healthy at the right time. Being healthy in November along that defensive line is important. So I don't think I don't think Notre Dame knocks them off. I certainly don't think that Clemson's going to be bullied by anyone. I think if you beat them, you're going to have to beat them with some explosive plays. And the only person they have that really can make explosive plays is Michael Mayer. And Clemson's not going to do the thing that – that UNC did, which is forget that he exists. All right. And the problem with Michael Mayer is your main target going into the game. He can't throw the ball to himself. So yes. Drew Pine at times is incredibly inaccurate. Yes. So, so I just mentioned buying your way to the table. Just because you have money doesn't mean that you're going to succeed or you know what you're doing. I yeah. mean, it's pretty freaking gross. I don't think Harson is qualified to work at Auburn, but we're talking about in a three-year period – about $37 million in buyouts. Let me ask you, who's going to want the Auburn job other than behind the scenes saying, you know what, I'll give it a go for three years and I'll get one of these juicy buyouts. How is this an attractive job when the the, the freaking teeth come out a year and a half in? 21 games! He got I'm, 21 games! I, I, it's, I just got done talking to some buddies, uh, my buddies at Learfield about this, because we got to do the show tomorrow and we got to figure out how this is going to work or who they're going to hire. And <laughs> it, it's... In theory, it's a good job. Like on paper, if you just look at where they're located, where they can recruit, the amount of money that they have, good job. 
it's in it's attractive to other players. It's attractive to players. It's attractive to other parts of your staff. It's attract the NIL collective is going to be popping. You can do all these things, but whoo, as you mentioned, the teeth come out, and they come out. I mean, this is a team. Gene Chizik won a national championship, and then a year and a half later, they fired him. So it's one of those things where they are intrinsically tied to Alabama, and as long as Alabama keeps being good. They're going to have a problem. But here's the other. Here's the scary part. They're also their number two rival is Georgia. So as long as Georgia keeps going, being doing good, they're going to have a problem. Yep. And then that number three for them is probably LSU. Now, what if LSU gets good? Then you're looking around like you're like you're you got dolled up to go to the ball, and then nobody wants to dance with you when you're looking around with all these other people dancing together, and you're you're literally dancing with yourself. And that's not like they're looking around like. This can't happen to us. Like the the biggest thing for them is like they can at least look at Texas A and M and be like, at least we didn't do that. But it's it's a it's a tough job. It's a hard job, and you you're in, in the words of my guy George Whitfield, it's Jurassic Park. At Bama's T Rex. You got Velociraptors everywhere. <laughs> you got to figure out what you want to be or what you can be, and that's going to be the interesting thing for me uh, with respect to Auburn. Who do they hire? Who can they hire? What do they want to be? They did it because they did it a little different this time, right? They went out up, outside the box to get Harson. Do they go completely back in the box? Or do they do something different? So this is going to be really interesting. Michael Felder's with us. Make sure you check out his bulletin. Sign up for it. It's uh, via Facebook. Great stuff up there, like the uh, Tennessee Halloween uniforms. I enjoyed that. The other thing I enjoyed is the food entry. I'm so jealous. And I have a question for you. Do you just have every ingredient you ever need on hand? You talked about a local Greek food restaurant. You're now back in North Carolina, where you're from. You uh, talked about the positives of the place, but then you also mentioned something I didn't know. Like, you barely go out to eat because you can make all of it. And then I'm watching, you got pictures of making Greek food, and you're, oh, I'm just going to make pitas. Like, what? Yeah, I um, I have a robust pantry. <laughs> and um, yes. it's one of those things where I've got, like, eight different types of flour. I've got all the – any rolling pin I need. I've got all my – I got a meat grinder. I've got, um, I, you know, we have between the grill and the inside, inside, the oven and the stove and the whole deal. I've got everything that I need. And that was one of the things that I think I had a friend over the other day and he goes, I gave him a, a, a bag, a, a five pound bag of uh, white lily flour. Cause in white lily is the best flour. White lily self-rising flour is the best flour you can use. If you want to make biscuits, it's the best. That with some buttermilk, you can use some bacon fat. You can use some lard. You cut that in. You're going to have good biscuits. Make sure that lard's cold. And don't overwork the dough. But I just, I have, I have everything that I need to whip stuff up. Like I've had multiple times uh, between here, Chicago, whatever, people be like, oh, maybe we'll stop by. And then I'm like, oh, we can just, what do you want me to make dinner? I'm not, I don't need to go to the store. I don't have to do this. I've got this stuff. And I'm, it's, it's, yes, I, I am my mother's son. My mom always had a fully stocked, you know, deep freeze. I've got a, I've got a, the garage fridge in the home fridge, and I'm building it up, but I always have stuff. If I got to feed you, I can feed you. I can't wait to see what you're uh, you're going to make this weekend. Enjoy the college football games, especially Tennessee, Georgia, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Michael Felder, at In the Bleachers on Twitter, part of the Learfield podcast family. Make sure you check out Field of 12. Great uh, video series about college football. Kevin Sumlin, former college football coach, a bunch of former players are on there with Michael Felder. Right now, Giveaway time, 364-1100, caller 7, 364-1100. You win a six-foot classic sub from Porta Subs. 
Winner qualifies for a chance at a new Yeti cooler. That's courtesy of Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas. Porta Sub six footer going out right now. Ari's got the hookup. Caller 7364-1100. Join Cofield and Company on Fridays for the three to six show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. Hundred percent. You know, I support them, and and I said that after the game. You know that anytime that happens, that starts with me. And uh, you know, I love the effort that they come to work with every day, and the preparation that they're going through, and the time that they've spent uh, getting ready. And it's the ultimate team sport, and uh, I love my team. You're listening to Cofield and Company live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Set up at TI and also uh, down here in San Diego, Cofield and company getting ready for a UNLV football game on the road. Willie Ramirez is here with us. Willie, I know you were around the Raiders this week. You got to uh, see uh, all these – well, you weren't around them because they're in Florida, but you got to see and listen to all these press conferences. Until they win, isn't this a lot of white noise this week? Like, I want to react to what they're saying, but – I'm really not that interested. Like, just get it right, fix it, get going in the right direction, and start winning some games. Yeah, and it's so difficult with this team, right, because they've split their last four, surrounded by a bye week. So you look at it, they're 2-2, two and two, but it's the losses that stand out. It's, it's how they're losing that stood out, and it's a disappointing shutout loss in New Orleans that stood out. So you're right. It's it's all, you know, it's all noise, yeah. um, you know, that we're being fed, and it's it, and, the, it's and, not, and here's the, here's the thing, Willie. The way it was presented to by McDaniel's, like I understand what he was saying, but fans don't really want to hear it. When McDaniel's in the middle of the week is like, well, you know, these things happen. You coach long enough, you're going to have games like this, and it almost kind of sounds like they're just kind of brushing it off. And I I, I guess in house maybe they they have to and not freak out, but it's. The fans don't want to hear it. I mean, it feels like the sky is falling here and the season is almost over. So to say, well, you know, this is what happens. And then Dave Ziegler, the GM speaking and saying, hey, we weren't going to make any trades at the trade deadline. Um, you know, we want to stay with the plan. It's just those, those words ring hollow until they start winning some games. Well, and not only that, Steve, but, you know, if you look at the, the complexion of the victory over Denver and Houston – it's not it's not satisfying enough because of the teams that they're beating and the way that they're beating them. So even if like you're right, like if they dominate Jacksonville, right? If they if they if they take advantage of a team that, you know, because one of their areas of expertise with the Raiders that's look good has been the rushing defense. And so if they were to for on the whole for the season, um, even though they just got gassed, but I mean if if they, if they come out of Jacksonville with the dominating win going into a next week's home game against the Colts, it doesn't mean anything because they've yet to show consistency with what they're doing. The third, to me, I was talking to somebody the other day, Denver Bronco fan, and I was saying, you know, it's one thing, yeah, they beat the Broncos 32-23, but that Broncos offense we've been questioning all season, why'd they let 23 points on the board? Um and they pulled away late. Same thing with the Houston game. That 38-20 uh, score is not indicative of how that game was. Houston realistically was playing decent football. Uh, for me, the most impressive game for the Raiders thus far was a 30-29 to loss on Monday night in Kansas City where they were on the brink of winning, and it was a coach's decision, in my opinion, that lost that game because you saw them go in and compete. I 
want to see consistency against better competition. Ottawa coming in with the puck, left boards. Tyler Mott in the third line. Lefty turns and puts it toward the goal stop. Rebound trickles. Thompson dives to his left. He makes the save. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Let's get into this amazing start for the Vegas Golden Knights. Man, we are everywhere. I'm down in San Diego. You heard Willie's at Treasure Island and over at Virgin getting ready to do the show with uh, RTHG on Fox Sports Las Vegas is Darren Millard. Darren is in with Cofield and Company. Darren? This is the most Vegas show I've done so far, given that we're all over the place and we're all happening, doing our thing. Yes, yes. Uh, Truth be told, uh, San Diego is lovely. It's a little bit nicer than Vegas right now, a little nicer weather. Um, One thing I noticed in California, I just went to a convenience store a little while ago. I wanted to get your take on this one. And everyone kept walking up and buying lottery tickets. I'm like, man, these people are really into the lottery. And then I oh, realized, yeah. oh, Powerball is like $1.6 billion. Um, I, I always feel like we, we ask you questions about Canada as if it's like Antarctica. Um, is the lottery big in Canada? Uh, we have an alphabet and we have, okay. uh, we have phones. Uh, so that, that's good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, yes, we have the lottery. It's, it's, it's a different name. It's uh, 649. Oh, but uh, but we do have it every now and then where it gets extremely high and people flock and uh, and there's uh, controversies over you squeeze me out even though nobody's won anything yet uh, you're in your regular group and then you're going in with other people and then you do another things and people get a little territorial of it but uh, uh, I, I still uh, am getting used to the fact that, that that you can't buy the tickets here uh, but you can go everywhere else and and I, I, I'm I get a little Powerball envy at times. When these big jackpots, like Gary Lawless was phoning Dave Gosher in the summer in Rhode Island, getting him to buy <laughs> Powerball tickets for him. He was nice. so into the scene. You know, Darren, uh, you, you talk about 649 being the, the, the big number up there. You know what number I love from Canada from back in the day is 222s. Man, those things kicked in really nice. Do you remember, do you remember 222s? Oh no! Oh yeah! Uh, I don't think it's a it's a healthy choice, though. No, no, it's not. But 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 you know, <laughs> it was a heck of a it was a heck of a choice and easy to get. But I just want to say something real quick before we get into the golden lines. I'm a little disappointed we're, in you. We're, from we're la- doubling down on the most Vegas conversation that we're ever going to have right now. Yeah, two twenty twos are, are is is codeine, by the way. Uh, exactly. That, that bottles of codeine that you could buy over the counter in Canada when I was a kid. They used to my grandfather used to get them. Uh, speaking of grandfather and and whatnot, last night on the show, you and I believe there was a set, there was a part you and Darren may have been talking about Ottawa and the sale and and owners and who this yeah. and that and and not once did I hear a mention of one of the original owners of the Ottawa Senators, the original son of Ottawa, Paul Anka. Okay. I, I know, but that was lawless, and uh, and I would write him a letter, and I would uh, <laughs> let your local congressman know uh, that you're upset about uh, this situation. I, I, well, you're, you're right, Paul was not uh, Paul was not brought out, or he, Uncle Paul, he, he uh, as, as referred to him on the show. Uh, and and uh, I also know that there was a reason why Uncle Paul is no longer uh, part ownership uh, and is a former owner because it, it didn't really work at that time, and it was a bit of a Luster at mm. that time. Yeah, I, I think it, they were it, using his name. Yeah, the the uh, the idea now is 
a little more stable. Uh, yeah. There's more opportunity. Uh, they want to move it downtown. I still don't know whether you can make it work for what the eventual price is going to be, which will be uh, a billion dollars Canadian. Well, I'll tell you what is working. Whatever it is that Bruce Cassidy is doing, Jack Eichel's working, Logan Thompson's working, they're all kind of working. Are the Golden Knights going to lose? Uh, I can confirm that will happen, and that does not make me a bad person. All right? Uh, but, uh, but that will, in fact, happen. I'm, I'm loving this uh, early season race, though, between Boston and, mm-hmm. and Vegas because everything it's I great. do during the course of the day is line up our game and then keep track of what Boston's doing. And this little one-upmanship uh, battle uh, that, uh, that they've got going between the two teams is extraordinary and does uh, uh, so much to put uh, a little early season buzz into the, into the season. Then you look at the standings, guys. And, and you see that, uh, that Vegas is six points up on, on Edmonton, who blew uh, the, the result against uh, New Jersey last night in seven seconds, went from getting two points to getting nothing. Uh, Calgary lost uh, again last night. These, these are hugely valuable points beyond just uh, being off to a, a good start, which is uh, turning heads. Uh, people are starting to, my, let's just say, my phone's starting to ring a little bit more going, okay, is this really maintainable? And uh, the answer is maybe not an 800-plus points percentage, but, yeah, it's, uh, this, this is a team that, that I expected to see a, a lot of last season before they got beat up. Weird game last night. What was your narrative coming out of the game? Well, uh, I thought uh, the score was a little misleading, uh, quite honestly, Steve, in the first period. Uh, Ottawa played well. Uh, Ottawa had more chances. Uh, they outshot them uh, 16-13. Uh, after the first period, but Vegas had that two, 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 uh, three, one lead because of some mistakes that Ottawa made, which happened with a young team that, uh, that is, uh, probably, uh, not as good as what they feel. Like they've got some swagger to them right now, but being able to close things out, they, they do make the odd mistake. So, uh, I, I thought that, uh, that, that Ottawa played a really good opening part of the game and Vegas, uh, was in a good position. Uh, the, the latter part of the game was, was less about the Golden Knights taking their foot off the pedal, and more about Ottawa just continuing uh, their game and being able to put home uh, some of some of their chances that they weren't able to do early on. And uh, good on Vegas to be able to, to put home opportunities, and uh, good on uh, the Golden Knights to be able to pull out a win in which they uh, weren't as good certainly as they were the previous. The previous three games were locked down. Like the, the Anaheim game was as controlled as any game I've seen in five years. They didn't give Anaheim a sniff, even though the shot clock said they did. They didn't give them anything. Uh, Winnipeg was total domination, and Washington was a, a great road game. It went to overtime, but it was a great road game. You didn't give up a lot. Last night uh, was, was a little more wide open, which uh, out of four games, you take that, one every four games, three perfect, and, and, and one that you'll, you'll roll right. the dice on. Darren Millard from... Uh... Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show over on Fox Sports Radio, and of course uh, the host on AT and T Sportsnet for VGK games. How much credit in this uh, good start do we give to Logan Thompson? Uh, quite a bit, but I think it's shared, and more so than you would say uh, some other scenarios where the goaltender can put you on his shoulders and just uh, pull you across the, the finish line. Logan Thompson, in periods of the game, uh, has been lights out stopping breakaways uh the odd time that they've, they've surrendered odd men rushes which isn't very often really 
but uh, there has been some breakaway uh, attempts against him. Uh, he's he's been he's been really good, but the overall performance in the defensive zone and, and the limiting high danger chances uh, is it's extraordinary. And the the advanced stats reflect that uh, the, the the goals against average and the save percentage are extremely uh, uh, at the top of the the list in, in the National Hockey League. But they're getting a whole bunch of help. This is. You're prototypical, and I'm not just making something to, 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 to say it and try and sound like an expert. This is an absolute team effort between the forwards and the defensemen and keeping everybody uh, around. They don't mind possession, Steve. They don't mind if the opposition has the puck in their end. But you're, you're going to have a hard time getting a good chance away, and, and that's been the real key to the significance. And making easy saves. It's, it's hard to make all the easy saves. Uh, how many times do you look around the league and go, how'd that go in? What happened there? Right. And because the guy has a tendency to give up one bad goal every couple of nights. That hasn't happened uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. And the Giroux one last night was more of a fluke than a bad goal. And, you know, and I love the fact that uh, I think it was after the second home game but or whatever. I think it was Aiden Hill's first home start. But Bruce Cassidy had said, he doesn't play like a backup. He's not approaching the game no. like a backup. And and it doesn't matter how many who's had what starts. They're all playing cohesive hockey where Eichel doesn't feel like he has to feel like he's the guy. Aiden Hill's coming in as if he's the starter. Uh, guys that are getting points, you know, Eichel, has, has he's on pace to have a career year with goals. Everybody's doing their part, and whoever emerges, emerges. And it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a superstar, even though it's a team full of superstars. Hey, they won one game, one nothing, and the guy that scored the only goal in that game isn't in the lineup right now. That, that's how deep they are. That's how healthy they are right now. Uh, they, they have got contributions at different times from star players, but then they get uh, back-to-back games with goals from Will Carrier. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a real bonus. Uh, White Cloud uh, gets on the board last night. That's a huge bonus. So there's, last night, for example, offensively, was a great example of the mix between stars and the depth of the lineup. But uh, I, I've been, uh, and, and through all of that, Willie, you've had the line changes uh, where, where he's, uh, Bruce Cassidy has moved guys around to, to, to try and find uh, the mix that, that's going to work. So it, you, you're learning on the fly the new defensive system. You're getting used to new line mates midway through the, the opening 10 games, and you're still 10-2. and two. Uh, that, that, That's pretty good. Hey, they didn't, they didn't lead the two games before last night, and they won both of them. You know how hard that is to do, to not lead at any point during the game and still walk out with four points? Darren, we got 30 seconds left. Tell people where they can find you if they want to come down to uh, watch the show and hang out with you guys at Virgin. I am right in the middle of the lobby right now, and there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people in line. There's slot machines uh, right in front of you. If you look to the left when you walk in the door, you will see Ryan Wallace uh, standing on a table, twirling over saying, come watch the VGK Insider Show. <laughs> He's not really okay. totally on a table. I figured he was, right? Not really. Uh, Darren, <laughs> we appreciate it, man. We know you're up against it, so thank you so much. You guys are awesome. See you. There he is, Darren Millard, AT&T Sportsnet, host of pretty much everything. And uh, he's doing the live show today with uh, Ryan, the hockey guy. That is the VGK Insider Show over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're set up in San Diego and... At Treasure Island, Golden Circle, Sportsbook, and Bar. 
Uh, Willie, on the way out here, we got just a few seconds left. Uh, tell everyone tomorrow, 9 a.m. start, throw the flag with Gooch. Who are your guests? Oh, man, big day tomorrow. We have former Boston Celtic, former slam dunk champion D. Brown, and also comedian Angela Johnson, and she's a former Raiderette. She's going to be performing here at Treasure Island, but we got her on. She became popular for her nail salon bit, but she also does a Raiderette bit, so can't wait to get her on. I'm excited. Like, Remember how excited I got when we had uh, who, who's the, the food champion, the eating, the food eater? Who, what's his name? Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut. I'm excited for Angela Johnson. Four o'clock hours on the way. Willie's live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island.